Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today.
we know, he said. We don't think, we don't suppose, we don't wonder. We know it is the last day. So, you would not be pushing out the truth if you were to say, we are living in the last day. Because that's exactly what Scripture says. I love what the late, highly regarded Baptist pastor, Abraham Rogers, used to say. He used to say we ought to be living as if Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back. Yes, that's the way we ought to live. And in the 12th chapter of the exciting book of Revelation, by the way, the name of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Not Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a book about Jesus. Don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Nobody in this book, we read it, endures more than the nation of Israel. I might say this is God's believing process, particularly someone who is ethically related to Israel, but someone who is a believer in Jesus as their Messiah. They are God's chosen people. Anti-Semitism is nothing. It is bad as it is been. I sadly have to announce that according to Scripture, it's going to get even worse. And yet at the same time, Scripture says it's going to get better. Zachary told in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verses 7, a grieved Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah, he talked about a time of the wording of the language is so immense that it has to be more than just a few years he was thinking about. He was looking forward to the impact when he said, it is going to be aptly called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is The only time period that fits the full description of Jeremiah's prophecy is in fact the time of the tribulation, a time of unparalleled suffering. And it is coming. If you think it's bad now, it is crazy out there. I'm telling you, it is absolutely unfair. If you think it's bad now, you need to realize that there is a coming time called, aptly called, the tribulation. It is not only a noun, it's a verb. It is descriptive. It is going to be a time of great tribulation. Jesus talked about this time in Matthew chapter 24. He said, verse 21, but then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, or ever shall Think about the most terrible Holocaust the world has ever seen, both to Israel and, for that matter, any people. Think about it. The time in the tribulation is going to be so much worse. In fact, Jesus said, these are the words of our Savior. Our Savior Himself, verse 22, accept those days be short. The last half of the tribulation, which is the great tribulation, all seven years is bad, but the last half is just horrific. Accept those days should be short. There would be no flesh saved. Some of these Hollywood movies, the apocalyptic movies, you see where yet a desolate uh, earth is left. Well, I'll tell you what. If it wasn't God shortening the days, that might be a lot more suitable to think. It said, but for the elect sake, those who trust Jesus as their personal 
Lord and Savior, the day will be short. Hallelujah. And in fact, Satan's final fear will be against Israel, but not only against Israel, but against all those who believe in Jesus Christ. As we'll see in this chapter, we are absolutely tied to Israel. We are joined at the hip. In fact, we're part of the same thing. Signs of the times everywhere. There's a feeling in the air. Keep your eyes on the eastern sky. Lift up your head. Redemption draws us. Wars and strife on every hand. Violence fills our land. Still, some people doubt he'll ever come again. Oh, but the word of God is true. He'll redeem his chosen people. Don't lose hope. Soon, Jesus will be saved. So this morning, Revelation revealed. Bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let's ask God's mind. Let's just put aside everything else that's going on. Let's just focus on what God says. Father, thank you. Thank you for these that are in this room, for the hundreds, Lord, every week who join us literally around the world. Our Spirit of God, I pray that you would be. This is a powerful and important passage. Give us, Lord, a feeling of mercy heartfelt love for the people of God, but at the same time, settle for good. Jesus Israel's coming Holocaust is known as the tribulation. It will surpass all other persecutions that Israel has ever had. It is not only a persecution by humans, but it is a persecution by humans that have been filled by demons. One, in fact, filled by the devil himself. And we would imagine that even these demons have the ability in their spirit-like bodies, like Scorpius we read in an earlier chapter. And innumerable hosts. Jesus talked about one man who had so many demons in him, they were named Legion. Legion is five thousand. That man had five thousand demons. Imagine then when all the demons that are in the heavenly are cast to earth. Billions of demons just roving around trying to cause trouble. They will overrun the world in terrorism, unequal over time. And yet, Strangely and wonderfully, they will be thwarted at every hand. Their hate is here, but God is going to protect Israel and the believing people. That's what chapter 12 is all about. All right, so let's get out our Bibles now. Get out your pad there or your iPhone. You could look on the screens here. We're going to benefit from the public reading of God's Word. So I would encourage you. Read it out loud, isn't it? Because sometimes these old English words are a little hard and the syntax of it. But I just encourage you to read it with us like you mean it, alright? Alright, let's begin out loud, verse 13. Let's read through the end of the chapter. Let begin. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the vengeance. To the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place. For she is nourished for a time and 
face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the blood. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the blood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, went to make war with the remnant of his feet, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, just at first glance, in the first reading, if you didn't catch it up with this one, it might be filled with a lot of, wow, what in the world is to come? What's all these little visions here? I began to pray, read, and study this week. I began to read very clearly an outline that came forth. So I'd like to share it with you. Here we find three attacks by the devil. Clearly, three unique attacks during the last half of the tribulation period. And yet each one is going to be stopped and turned back using the word thwarted. Thwarted attack number one, the wings of an eagle. Thank God for that victory that God gives. Verse 13, and when the dragon, remember now, that is the symbolism of the devil. That we know that is who it is. It says that. Remember now, the book of Revelation is a book of symbols. Sometimes the symbols are explained, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it is, in fact, literal. When God says it's going to be a thousand years of pain, then we have to just take it. That just seems very logical. So the dragon is the devil. And if he is cast to the earth, more gets access to heaven. We found out last week that the devil is right now spends most of his time, the overwhelming amount of his time, in heaven. He's never been to heaven. He has no desire to go to heaven, even though that's his final destiny. He is in heaven accusing the Savior. Thank God the blood of Jesus is not going to let that go anywhere. It says he persecuted the woman. He found out that the woman is Israel. Who brought forth the man That is, in fact, Jesus. Now, we must take time to prove those. Prove those last week. And so here, in verses, uh, we find the devil is here. We find Israel is here. And we find Jesus here. Now, what causes um, this persecution where the dragon persecutes the woman? What causes that? Well, we suggested it might have been the departure of the church. The departure of the church is an event we call the rapture. A term not found in Scripture, but the teaching is found in Scripture. The word rapture is a Latin word, based on a Latin word, which means snatching. It is described very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So this snatching, this rapture, this uh, departure of God's bride, Goes, the Bible says they are absent, but they go. They are caught up into the heavens to be with the Lord. So it's going to be a beautiful time. Well, during that time, perhaps that's what causes this war. And so Satan then just attacks full force, a war in the heavens. But it doesn't go anywhere because we're told that Michael and his angels respond powerfully. And the Star Wars is put down, and they throw out the demonic entities, 
devil himself, and they are relegated to the earth forever, never again to be allowed into heaven. So, that happens. The devil is absolutely insane. He then has great wrath, as we read last week. He thinks the world is bad now. Imagine what it's going to be like when these billions and trillions and billions of demons and all other kinds of entities are just coming full force. So, when that time happens, it says they persecute the woman. Hallelujah. The Christ child, as it says here, the child is going to kick Satan's backside and get him out of there. He said, no, you're not going to go anywhere. So, says in verse 13, he persecutes the woman. He cannot stand the fact that he's been cast out of heaven. He cannot stand the fact that his uh, end is coming soon, and so he persecutes. Verse 13. It means to pursue. It means to take. It literally means to hunt. We are talking about a futuristic antichrist and people hunting down Jews and We'll see more about that next week, next two weeks, when they, uh, the persecution is so great. But here, he goes after Israel with his gun. You need to know that Satan does not operate. He never has. He does not operate under the so-called, hey, live and let live philosophy. The evil demonized forces of the world can prove that anybody who disagrees with him is guilty. Anybody who disagrees with the demonic force of this world say that you are guilty of misinformation. You are violating our community standards. You are attacking democracy. What you are guilty of is a hate crime. They will then justify any amount of silence, finding even daily. Consider with me for just a moment this spirit of Antichrist which the Bible says is already working. Consider with me what just happened in our socialist northern neighborhood, Canada. As of January 8th, just a few days ago, it is now illegal with imprisonment up to five years if, quote, you cause another person to undergo conversion therapy or even promote conversion therapy. They have a hard time defining what conversion therapy is. But, and it's intentionally broad, they can now use this against any preacher who speaks out against the unbiblical sin of homosexuality, transgenderism. If you speak out against that, in fact, ultimately, it is then going to become against the law to preach or teach or counsel regarding any of God's standards that contradict community standards. Folks, this anti-Christ law strikes at the very fabric of our faith. How, when we can't tell somebody to be converted and to leave their sin and find the joy and hope in Jesus Christ, then they have robbed the very heart of the gospel. Friends, that is a socialist, that is a demonic agenda. That's exactly what's going to happen during the tribulation period. Only amped up in great amounts. We 
by the way, need to be discerning enough to know that if one Western nation adopts this, then the rest are going to be following very soon. But I will tell you, even though that's the case, hope is on the way. Look at verse 14. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is married for a time and times and half a time in the face of the serpent. Now, we don't imagine that everybody who lives in Israel who believes on Jesus as their Messiah is somehow given wings and they fly away. Not what we imagine is. Nor is it some big giant uh, angel that picks them up. That it wouldn't seem like that. It appears to be symbolic language. Great eagle wings of heaven where they fly into the wilderness. Dramatic rescue? Maybe. It wouldn't be the first time that God uses that terminology. Back in Exodus chapter 19, verse number 4, here God is uh, witnessing to the people of Israel. Moses is his spokesperson. And he said, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. It is a metaphor. It means to pick you up, wings of an eagle, Fly you to safety. You really didn't have anything to do about it. It just picks you up and takes you. Wings in Scripture talk about strength. Talk about speed. It represents being divinely protected. God of Israel will miraculously provide some way of escape. Now, would it maybe include some sort of an airlift? Wings? Well, some of our more colorful commentaries point out that an eagle is the symbol of a man. So maybe this is referring in a symbolic way to the powerful sixth fleet in the Mediterranean, the U.S. sixth fleet. I will say that the wing of an eagle is already a campaign that did take place. Back in 1949, there were about 2,000, I think I'll put a picture over here, there were about 2,000 many Israelites who were airlifted clandestine, and they called this clandestine airlift Wings of the Eagle. I think uh, in light of what it says in the book of Exodus. Well, notice what it says here in this verse. It says they fly into the wilderness to her place. Where is this place in verse number 6 that they providentially fly to? Well, in Scripture, every time the Bible uses the term wilderness, it is most often, I think it's not every time, but most often, it is referring to an area east of Jerusalem. What is the area east of Jerusalem? Well, currently, it's the nation of Jordan. But if you keep going, it's other Arab nations. One thing I would say is that it is for sure an Arab nation, at least today. And wouldn't that be interesting if during the tribulation period, if God lifts these people to some sort of a amazing airlift and they actually find refuge in an Arab nation? Wouldn't that just be uh, incredible? I will tell you, you may remember just a few months ago in September. The United Arab Emirates, also Bahrain, they officially recognized Israel. 
they, they were already a nation, but they officially recognized them. Maybe this is a first But notice what it says. It says specifically that Israel will be nourished for a time, times plural, and a half a time. Now, when you compare that first, we're back with verse 6, where it says there were 1,260 days, which equals 42 months, which is three and a half years. And so what God is talking about clearly is three and a half years, one time means one year, times means two years, and a half a time means half a year. Again, three and a half years. And so God is just using a different terminology for whatever reason, just to kind of spice it up, not sure, but God will supernaturally feed, house, and provide for the nation of Israel during this three and a half year time. Most likely, there will be a constant flow of Israeli people who are accepting Christ, accepting Christ, and they flee to this eastern wilderness area. Is it going to be the United Emirates? Who knows? Is it going to be Jordan? It is east of Jerusalem. That's what we do know. As we mentioned last week, it could be even kind of south and east, which is Texas. One thing I will tell you, to quote Hal Lindsey, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, but God has done it. Has God his number? It is sad to see what's going on in the world today. You may have read this week about the school district in Illinois, who now is distributing flyers or allowing them to distribute an after-school state club for the first district. Here's the actual letter. They distributed this letter to the public school kids. Little children, here's what the flyer says. You can't read it. I will quote, Hey kids, let's have fun at an after-school state club. That's what they're saying. They're at a satanic temple. Oh, I'll tell you what, that Satan is just those little birth pains are beginning right now. That's exactly what it's, it's going to be ten times, a hundred times worse during the tribulation period. You can only wonder what's next. If these public school officials will allow a Satan club, what's next? Hey, let's go to the Mayan human sacrifice now. Might as well. We took every religion's good. No, friends, there are some that are so against morals and so against righteousness, they don't qualify as anything good, especially for children. But God wins. The devil, his world is in for a something. Well, the word of attack number one. God, the devil comes after Israel, but God delivers them on the wings of an eagle. The word of attack number two. The earth opens up. Verse 15. And the serpent. Now he's using a little different terminology instead of the dragon. The serpent is the devil. Out of the serpent's mouth comes water, a flood. So much so that the woman is carried away of the flood. The idea here, again, is a very dramatic imagery. Apparently, Satan is so foiled in his initial attempt, he's going to resort to another devious one. One thing we see from all these verses is he doesn't give up. So the dreadful devil. He pours out water out of his mouth river. We don't imagine he's talking about actually water, although it's certainly possible. Scripture definitely points to weather events as one of the signs of the latter times. Very definitely. 
People say, oh, we've always had natural disasters. We've always had weather events. So why is it more of a sign now? Folks, the reason why it's more of a sign now is because Israel is the key. For the first time in 2,000 years, Israel is back in their land. They are the trigger for all of them. Sometimes they call evangelical climate deniers. Climate deniers. Well, I will tell you, we're not climate deniers. We are cause deniers. We just happen to know who controls the weather. I don't think man has any uh, way of all of affecting the weather. That's a God business. And God is in the business of displaying what he's about ready to do. Here he used some very figurative language. It could be an earthquake that opens up water. This is, a, this is some kind of a thing that comes. God's going to deliver him from this. More likely, it's a flood of evil. I think that's pictured in Daniel chapter 11, verse 26. Here we're giving a very detailed and vivid description of what's going to happen in the world power to come. Then, as Daniel is given this vision, it gets very immense. Look at verse 26 of Daniel chapter 11. Yea, they that feed of the fortune of the shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow. Many shall fall down great. And so the Bible talks about this army that comes and overflows the land, floods and inundates the Holy Land. A frustrated dragon, we are told in other passages, Ezekiel and other passages, he is going to put together a group of United Nations. The United Nations military force is a force of humans and demons that are going to come after the people of God. Their goal is to establish a global dictator and to strip Israel of their democratic freedom and to confiscate their property. Israel is already surrounded by nations that are screaming for their blood. Anti-Semitism is going to just flood the land. They are going to be inundated by even people trying to militarily take it from them. Look what happens in verse 16. Hallelujah. The earth helps the woman. The earth helped the woman. And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed the blood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So, the dragon has this blood coming out of his mouth. This is this picturesque language. This blood of evil. This military presence, perhaps. The United Nations coming against Israel. Evil. A blood of evil coming against Israel. But God opens up the earth and swallows up that evil. You might recall the insurrection raised against Moses and Aaron by Korah. God was not happy with that guy because he was hurting the plan of God and the kingdom of God. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 32, this has happened in the past. That's my point. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained to the court. Like that famous children's book. That's what I'd call a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. When the earth swallowed them up with their rebellion against the things of God and the men of God. Well, a similar situation could be happening when the earth ends 
the opens up and states that the end-time army is one there in the death instantaneously. We are told in Revelation chapter 6, for example, there's going to be all kinds of earthquakes associated with the sixth seal. Whatever the case is, we can be reassured what the prophet says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12, that God holds it all in his hands. He holds the, the land and the ocean and the tsunamis, earthquakes that happen. Seems like a weekly anymore. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12, who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand. God holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand and is called the star by name. Who is greater than our God? So, as a believer in Jesus Christ, what we need to know is our Savior will not be defeated by any army or any king. He is the one that dictates the future. Thank God that the enemy will not be able to overcome him. So, attack number two, warning. Now, attack number three, the saints triumph. Word of attack number three, the saints triumph. The devil's anger now is going to reach a boiling point. He attacks Israel, and God whisks them away. He attacks Israel in a greater fashion, and God opens up the earth and swallows up their arms. And now, he is going to just throw all of his weight behind it. Notice what it says is going to happen. He can't get to the woman, and so he is going to get to the woman's feet. Look what it says, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth. I mean, he was already crazy mad, but now he is wroth with the woman. And so Satan is going to be incensed by Israel. Why well, tell you what? People are incensed with Israel. You watch some of these congressmen, assemblymen of America, and their faces just get all gnarled up, you know, screaming about Israel. Wow. It dragon was wrong with the woman. And they went to make war with a remnant of the seed. Who is this remnant of the seed? Well, these are people who have gotten born again during the tribulation period, Gentiles who specifically have this about them. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. As we'll see in the next chapter, they refuse the mark of the beast. They said, not on your life. I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that the woman is divinely protected. And so the dragon then redirects his offensive on the seed of the woman. Who are and who is this? These are those who obey the commandments of God. What are the commandments of God? The commandments of God is just a catch-all phrase for so many different parts of Scripture. If you have rejoiced in Psalm 119, like I do, I love that chapter. Every time I start reading it, I just yeah, I just so amazed at the beauty of Psalm 119. But if you ever take a little bit of time, read Psalm 119 and mark down every time a different term is used for the Bible. I'll give you eight of them. And by the way, the Psalm 119 is written in eight verses. I don't know if it's In the book of Psalms, or Psalm books, so it makes sense it's in eight. But here we find in Psalm 119 the law. That's God's instruction. 
Testimony, number two. That's God's written witness about the way things have happened. God's ways, number three. That's how God wants the journey to transpire. Precepts, number four. Those are God's orders. Statutes, that's number five. Ordinances that, when obeyed, bring the blessings of God. Commandments, those are individual actions that God requires. And then judgment, the right thing to do. God wants us to do the right thing. And so the commandments of God are encompassed in these eight words. So, then, what are these people doing during the tribulation period? They're obeying God's law, His testimony, His ways, His precepts, His commandments, His rules. And when they do that, they get a target on their back. By the way, if you live the same way today, you'll get a target on your back. You get a target on your back from Facebook whatever they're called now. You'll get a target on your back from the government. You'll get a target on your back from people who don't like people who live according to the laws, the statutes, the commands of God. How does it work? Notice what it says. They are called the seed of Israel. What a blessing. And that's how God works them. Because we are if you follow God's word and you obey God's word, you then display that you are born again. You've accepted Jesus Christ. By the way, even though this is a tribulation period, the same would be true today. In fact, Paul even says that. In Romans chapter 11, here's what he says Paul, in Romans chapter 11, compares Israel to the natural branches of an offering. He said, unfortunately, unbelieving Jews have been broken off. And then God, what did He do? He put wild branches, that's Gentiles, most of us, probably 99.9% of us, are then grafted in, not just stuck in there and they don't connect, no, literally become part of the tree. Look what it says in Romans 11, verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, Raise your hand here, folks. Uh, put your hand up right now. You're a wild olive branch. That's us. That's us. Me and you, we're wild olive branches. I accepted Jesus Christ. And look what it says. You are grafted in. And you are then partaker of the roots and the fatness of the olive tree. God says that because you have obeyed the law of God, the commands of God, you have displayed that you are part of the seed of Israel. And as a part of the seed of Israel, you have been grafted in to the God's olive tree. And as a result of that, you get the fatness. What are the fatness of God? There are four beautiful covenants that God gave Israel. The Mosaic covenant, a covenant of blessing. The Abrahamic covenant, a covenant of a Messiah. The Davidic covenant, a covenant that upon the throne of David would sit the king, Messiah, Jesus, and the Palestinian covenant, the land. So God has given Israel these four beautiful covenants. Folks, the fatness of the olive tree is for all Bible believers. That's what God is saying. God said, you get all the blessings that I've given to Israel. That's what the great way that God takes care of these people during the tribulation period. Victory. The worst is yet to come for Israel, I have to say. I'm sad to say that. 
But at the same time, I'm happy to say, victory is on the horizon. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood that come, and I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus Christ, our Savior forever. He stopped me, he bought me with his redeeming blood, and before I ever did, he loved me. All my love is due. He plunged me to victory beneath the how and what did God do when He did that? He then grafted us in to the wonderful tribe of Israel. I don't know. My name's not Goldstein or Rubenstein or Cohen or whatever that is. I will tell you. But spiritually speaking, God has given us, over Bible believers, all the blessings that He plans on giving Israel. And during this tribulation period, People get saved, born again, they trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and God protects them because they now are part of His chosen people. That's what this is all about. And so, when uh, Satan throws it at him, God uh, takes him on the wings of an eagle, and He takes him out of it. Then He opens up the earth and swallows up the armies of the devil. And then, number three, He allows them to become the the seed of Israel, and therefore the receiver of all the covenant. Three practical promises I want to leave you with this morning as I was thinking about this. Number one, what this passage tells me is that God always wins. God always wins. The Apostle Paul said it so wisely in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He said, Church, never fret, because he spoils every principality and power. He made a show of them openly, and he triumphed over them. If you read the context of that passage, you know when it happened. It happened when Jesus died on the cross. Oh, I tell you what, the devil is crushed in many ways. You may remember last week we talked about, or maybe the week before we talked about, how that one-third of faith of heaven's angels fell. When you think about that, it's hard to imagine how that having a perfect leader, a perfect situation, perfect condition, and yet they rebelled against that. And Satan was able to take a third of them out of it. And our hearts are grieved by that. We say, oh, it's terrible. Those angels became fallen angels for Jesus. But what we don't say is, two-thirds of them took a rest. That means there's more that are with us than more that are against us. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm saying. God wins. We have often been blessed by the wonderful Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. You know the verse. Be still and know that I am God. It's a great verse. But a lot of times we so focus on that part, we forget the rest of that verse. Notice what it says. I will be exalted. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted on the earth. Folks, God always wins. They, he never loses. Charlie Brown told Lucy, he said, there's just no hope for our baseball team. Lucy said, well, Charlie, you lose some and you win some. Charlie Brown said, oh, that would be great. <laughs> the truth is, Jesus never loses. Why? Because the that victory, the battle has already been won. He has already won the victory, and so God wins. 
Number two, God protects his own. God protects his own. You've all read Psalm 2. In fact, it is one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament. Jesus quoted it. Why did the heathen rage? Psalm 2, verse 1. Not because they're crazy. <laughs> it says in the next verse, the next part of that verse, they imagine the main thing because they're all messed up. Their kids are all demonized. The kings of this earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against the anointed. What does it mean, anointed? That means the Messiah. People hate Jesus. They hate the Messiah. Saying, let us break their bonds, bands asunder, cast away their cords. And that's what the devil always wants. Never any moral restraint. You may never put any restraint on Cast away your cords, your biblical cords of restraint. That's what the devil wants. And yet, notice what the verse says, and yet, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He laughs at him. Really? That's what you think you're going to be able to cast off? You're going to have to pay? Verse 6. I have set my king upon a holy hill of death. God's king, Jesus, Messiah, and his people, they are set on a high hill. God says, you're above all that. Thank God that we're, we don't have to fear because God has set us on a high hill. Folks, so many people today living in such fear. I tell you what, so many people just whip themselves up into a dinner. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Paul and he and I were at the airport not too long ago. We were walking along the causeway there or wherever we were. And, I mean, there was somebody who looked like they had scuba gear and walked all home. I was looking at them thinking, what in the world? Folks, I'm telling you what, we don't have to be so afraid of all of that. I'm not for being crazy, but I'm telling you what, folks, God protects his people. You can trust him. God always wins. Number two, God protects his own. And number three, thank God, Satan, we know. You need to understand, he never stops. He doesn't ever give up. But he always loses. So we can be grateful for the fact that God will win over Satan, even though he never stops. He has great wrath in the end. He never stops, but he is going to be cast finally into the lake of fire. Here we see him cast out of uh, heaven, and then he is going to be cast into the bottom of the pit. Finally, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's why God promises in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Wherefore, God has highly exalted him, meaning Jesus and his followers, given him a name which is above every name. Folks, faith is on his way down. Jesus is on his way up. And that's why we're going to follow Jesus and not follow the devil. And that's why in these verses, it's just a reminder, yes, these are crazy days, scary times to think about. But the fact of the matter is, we are on the winning side when you're with Jesus. The teacher in ancient world once asked, was asked by a student, when should a person repent? When should a person this ancient teacher in the ancient world said, Well, you ought to repent on the last day of your life for sure. Jesus said, Well, how do we know when the last day will be? He said, Exactly. So you should repent 
That's what I say about these verses. Folks, because Jesus is coming today, we ought to make sure we're right with God today. Get on the winning side and get on that side. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.